Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field team. Bam going back, looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Go! Cody Bellinger hits one out. Beat on. So he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, good afternoon, everybody. It is A's Cast Live from the Coliseum as we're getting you ready for a little A's baseball against the Arizona Diamondbacks. And let me just tell you, they stink. I mean, this is a really bad team. But you got to take advantage of these guys. They've lost 17 straight on the road. 17 straight. The last time they won on the road is when Madison Bumgarner pitched the seven-inning no-hitter, which that seems like forever ago. So the A's got to take advantage as they have a one-game lead over the Houston Astros. We've got a great guest list for you today. Former All-Star and World Series champion, good friend of Bob Melvin's, Luis Gonzalez. He was a heck of a player. He's now doing TV and working for the Arizona Diamondbacks. He's going to join us at 415. Ken Korak, the voice of your Oakland A's, will be at 430. And I can tell you right now, it is a pleasure to see You know, little by little, we start to see things knowing that we're getting back to normalcy. The media is back on the field. So, Ken, I'm looking at him right now, talking with John Shea. It's just good to see, other than just players, back on the field. Not everybody's wearing masks, as we've gotten over the 85% here with the Oakland A's. So, you know, start having more interaction with the players because that's one thing that we've really been limited with. I mean, the only time you could talk to players was if they provided them on a Zoom call. You know, there are times you want to go down and you want to say, hey, Bob, or Emo, or to one of the players, ask them a question that doesn't need to be in, like, a media scrum. You know, I've done it for years. Like, hey, man, I just got one question for you. But we haven't been able to do that, so, like, We haven't even been able to meet Elvis Anders, our shortstop. So we'll talk to Luis Gonzalez at 415, Ken Korak at 430, and then former A, 
and now the skipper of the Arizona Diamondbacks, Tori Lavello, will join us as Tori is truly one of the good guys in this game. And I feel bad for him because his team's bad. It's not his fault. He's a good baseball man. That can be one of our – we're going to have a game of top ten baseball cliches, but we're going to do it family feud style with the great – David Feldman. I'm really looking forward to this. This is going to be next Monday. I already know what my first one. I if I get, I'm just telling you right now. I think I get the number one if I can. Are we going to like flip a coin to see who goes first? I can. Let, I'll let you have it. I what I know. I think I know where you're going to go here. Back of the baseball card. I'm not. If he's such a good hitter, why doesn't he hit? <laughs> it's, that's a good one. I, I walked into Feldy. I saw him sitting there on his computer, and I said, "Hey, Chris Bassett pitched tonight. You know what he is? A good thrower of the baseball." Yeah. <laughs> He's a professional. He's a professional hitter. I mean, whenever I hear somebody say that, it just makes me cringe. It's like, I think people who use these baseball cliches, like uh, uh, Sean Casey, MLB Network, <laughs> the mayor, as they like to call him. Well, again, watch it. He's a Pittsburgh guy. He all he he's a, he's a cliche machine. But it really means you don't have much to say, right? He's a professional. They're all professional hitters. If you get paid, you're a professional. <laughs> or if you're playing in Major League Baseball, wait for it. You're a professional. Yeah, he's, he's a professional. He's, he's a great guy in the clubhouse. I'm just happy to be here, okay? I'm just ha- I want to help the cl- I just want to help the team win. Oh, my God. <laughs> so that's what we got rolling today here on A's Cast Live. You know, sometimes I wish I was wrong. Now, I'm not always going to be right. But sometimes I wish I was just completely wrong on some things that that I do get right. And one of those things happened today, and I feel bad. The Texas Rangers, as I told you, there's a good chance Chris Davis doesn't even make it onto the roster. Well, he did make it onto the roster, and he was terrible. Hitting 157, a guy that hit 40 home runs three straight years. He led the league one year with 48. All of a sudden signs a contract. All of a sudden kind of bumps his hip in Pittsburgh. And then since then, he's just, he's terrible. He was hitting 157 for the Texas Rangers. And the reality is for the Texas Rangers, they're in rebuild mode. So they took on Chris Davis just so they could get rid of Elvis. And I don't think the money is a big deal to them. But I remember saying it, and it just it, it sounded so odd, going, this might be it for him. Because Texas, you know, at some point, being a young team, and you just got this older guy who can't hit anymore, I mean, th- th- this, is, this is what becomes the problem. When you're someone like Chris Davis... Um, you're someone like Jack Cust. When all you do is one thing and then you can't do that thing anymore, you become worthless. I mean, when you really start to look at it, I mean, it just, you're no good to the team. You can't play in the field, so you're not helping defensively. And if all you do is hit home runs and now you're not hitting home runs, I mean, how many times am I? How many times am I going to run out a DH who's got a 596 OPS? I mean, your batting average is 157. Your on-base percentage is 
262, and your slugging's 333 for a 596 OPS. Compared to his last year in Milwaukee was an 828 OPS. First year in Oakland, 831. Second year in Oakland, 864. And then in 2018, it's an 874. Guy hit 48 home runs at 123 RBIs. He hit 247 every year. But he was doing what you were paying him to do. And Chris Davis hit a lot of big home runs for the Athletics. He hit, I mean, I don't remember the exact stat, but there was the stat that X amount of his home runs were either putting the team ahead or when the team was ahead. You know, not the Alex Rodriguez never hit one after the seventh inning. That means nothing. Remember when A-Rod hit a bunch of meaningless home runs? Chris Davis hit home runs that mattered. And then all of a sudden, he just can't make contact. It's a little bit what we've seen with Matt Chapman. Are, are, have, we, are, have we kept track on the uh, strikeouts? Where, where is Chapman now in strikeouts? Is he still number two? I'll def- I'll, let me pull it up real quick because uh, we're talking about the Rangers and Joey Gallo leads all of baseball, I believe, still in home run uh, and strikeouts. And it's interesting because Gallo was actually mentioned earlier and he was linked no. as a guy for the A's. It's like, that's no. a, you mentioned it perfectly. Another swing and miss guy? Is yeah, that really what I the can't, team needs? I can't. I mean, that's, that's adding like three strike. That's adding like three more strikeouts a game to this, to this roster. Uh, so actually, no. Gallo is not the leader in strikeouts anymore. Who is it's it? It's the guy that had the greatest play ever in the history of baseball. Javi Baez leads the league in strikeouts now at 80. Uh, Matt Chapman's third. He's three behind Baez at 77. So it goes 80 with Baez, Gallo at 79, Matt Chapman's at 77. Matt Chapman has 77 strikeouts in 62 games. Uh, 60 games, according to ESPN. 60 games played. No, we, this is our. Oh yeah, but he's played in sixty. He's played, yeah, but yeah. The, yeah, excuse me, he's played in sixty-one for the A's. This is game sixty-two as they're thirty-five and twenty-six. I just speak of the devil. He has just entered the cage, and we're watching BP. I mean, just the ability to make contact has been a major, major struggle. And I know people talk about hips, and you might uh, you might bring that up with Chris Davis. But don't tell me Chris Davis is still hurt. It's been years. And I remember, I remember, you know, doing the Bob Melvin show, and I'd go in his office, and I'd be like, is he hurt? And Bob would be like, according to everything we've done with him and they've looked at, he was healthy. Yeah, so at one point, was he playing hurt? Maybe. But injuries heal. Unless it's one of those injuries like a Bo Jackson injury. I mean, injuries heal. I mean, what's going on? So I feel bad for Chris Davis. I mean, I know you're going to have it in buying or selling, but I remember Bob asked him, like, hey, do you still want to play after this contract? And he said yes. I just, I mean, anything from here on out is going to be a minor league invite, right? Yeah. I mean, he's going to be 34 after the season. He's 33 right now. He'll be 34 after the season's over. I mean, you want to see it. He's only had 61 appearances, and you threw out his numbers. I mean – since that year where he had the hip injury, he had 23 home runs. He had two last year for the A's. And then he had a couple, he had a couple in the postseason for them against, you know, against the White Sox in Houston. But then he hit two this year in the 61 plate appearances, and that's it. So essentially in two-plus seasons, he's hit 27 home runs. That's not good for a guy that hit 43 years in a row and a guy that's getting paid, you know, what, $16.5 million or whatever it was he's getting paid. 
Like that's that's not essentially what you're looking for for a guy that's a DH only. And you know who would have thought that Chris Davis, the other Chris Davis from the Orioles, is making all that money? Would still be with the Orioles and the, and, hit, and this Chris Davis is going to be you know I'm not saying he's going to be out of the league, but a guy that's not he's going to be looking for a job. Well, they say he signed. Okay, so Chris Davis is signed through this year. After this, he's a free agent. $16,750,000 he's being paid, and they're telling him, see you later. By the way, the Trident is down on the field. If you look where Dallas Braden is, he's, I believe. Oh, I see it, yeah. I believe Dallas Braden is taking some type of video with himself and the Trident. Yeah, he. I think he might be doing, he might be on the Graham Live. He might be Graham Living or um, I don't know, whatever the kids do now. I only know Instagram Live. I don't know if it's Facebook or um, whatever other social media, but I'm seeing, assuming Dallas might be on Instagram Live. Vince is talking to, uh, believe it or not, our friend David Schofield from ESPN.com is talking, he, he's talking to AL left fielder starter in the All-Star game, according to him, Mark Hanna. Uh, I think I had that question about the All-Star game. Everybody wanted to go with Ramon Laureano. Everybody wanted to go with Chris Bassett, who is going tonight. And I kept saying, I, 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 I think, or Matt Olson. I've been saying, I mean, I, I, if I had to pick one, I don't know how you do not pick Mark Hanna. There, uh, our Jim Bowden, our, our friend, who the, the hardest guy to track down in sports, Jim Bowden had an article in The Athletic today about every team's most indispensable player. I wanted to print it out, but it was 30 pages long. Um, <laughs> he, uh, his player for the A's was Mark Hanna. So I, I think people are starting to realize how, how viable Mark Hanna is to the A's. I mean, now, we've known it for years, and it's, it's starting to show more now because he's hitting leadoff. He's stealing bases. He's playing good defense. He's playing center field. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. And again, we talked about this so many. We talk about this every year. Nobody thought he'd be a center fielder, ever. He was a first baseman coming out of Cal. Here he is playing first, third, DHing, center field, left field. Oh, and by the way, he's hitting leadoff for you and stealing bases. I mean, when, when is somebody gonna make the T-shirts duct tape and give me credit? He's he's Bob Melvin's duct tape. He's leading off. He's scored the most runs. Your center fielder goes down. He can go play a good center field for you. There's not a lot of guys like this who can hit, hit for power. He gets on base. What does he do? He gets on base. He gets on base. But he hits, too, and he drives in runs. Mark Canna, he's earning himself some cash. There's, oh, there's going to be somebody, and I hope it's the A's. I mean, you got to pay some guys. I don't think Mark. I think I think Mark Canna is the type of guy that if you went to him and said, "Hey, here's a three-year." I mean, I'm not even going to throw out a number. I don't even know what that number would be, but uh, here's a three-year deal. I could see Mark Canna. He's so comfortable here. He loves playing here. He loves being at home. Got to remember, he's a San Jose guy. He grew up in the neighborhood I live in, Willow Glen. And his parents are still there. All his parents' friends are there. So he's playing in front of a lot of friends and family, you know, every night. They're watching it on television. I mean, if you told me, I don't know, give me a number. Three years, 30 mil. I mean, put it this way. I would give him the Billy Butler contract. <laughs> would you rather pay Billy Butler or would you rather pay Mark Canna? Yeah, I just looked up Canna's in the top 15 in on-base percentage. And is this – yeah, and not just not just the American League, top 15 in baseball in on-base percentage, where we value on-base percentage more than anything. 
and he's hitting leadoff, so your um, your leadoff guy is in the top 15 in baseball in on-base percentage. And he leads all of baseball and runs scored as your leadoff hitter for a guy that no one thought was going to be doing this. And everyone goes, bam, but he, he has like 10 or 11 home runs, but he has no RBI. He's hitting leadoff. He's not supposed to have RBIs. Just because we saw the guy the A's has played in Colorado. Charlie Blackman has the, the major league record for most RBIs from the leadoff spot. That Rockies team was really good, and he didn't always hit leadoff for them either. They moved him around the lineup. Mark Canahan has been hitting leadoff at every game he's played this year. Charlie Blackman moved around in the lineup. So those 103 RBIs that Blackman had for the Rockies, he moved around in the lineup. I'm pretty sure he didn't play every game at leadoff. You know, one thing that it's nice that the media is now being able to, to get on the field and hopefully we'll be able to get our show back on the field coming up here because that's one of the things that makes this show so special is our access to the players be, by being on the field next to the dugout. We have more access than anybody out there. Do you have the highlight from the 2001 World Series ready? The chance of a lifetime for Luis Gonzalez. 2-2, bottom of the ninth, game seven of the World Series. Bases loaded. One of the biggest hits in the history of the game, Luis Gonzalez, Game 7, off Mariano Rivera. It was awesome. And so Luis Gonzalez doing a little TV tonight for the Snakes when they're taking on the Oakland Athletics. And, of course, he and Bob Melvin are real tight, so he watches a lot of A's baseball. Here's Gonzo. Well, he's one of Bob Melvin's favorite players of all time. He's a World Series champion, a five-time All-Star. What a career. And doing a little TV tonight. Gonzo, how are you? Good. How are you doing? We, we, we are doing well as the A's, you know, hanging in first place. But obviously, it's going to be a dogfight. I don't know how much uh, you've gotten to see of the Houston Astros. But, boy, this has become a lot of fun to watch the Astros and to watch the A's go after each other. And as you know, there's no love loss there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I watch the Oakland A's quite a bit. Yeah, like you said, I'm a big fan of Bob Melvin's, and I love a couple of your players on the team. Your corner infield guys are phenomenal players, and uh, you know you got you got great players up and down that that uh, lineup. So it's one of my favorite American League teams to watch. Well, I got to tell you, Bob means so much to us here. I mean, he helped really change the entire organization and the culture in the organization, and he just passed Tony Larusa for all-time wins for an Oakland A's manager. And you think about that when he came, he, he was the interim guy, and to now hold that record. Just talk about how special of a guy and a communicator Bob Melvin is. Boy, he really is. I mean, I was lucky to have him here in Arizona for a while, but uh, just the way he treats players, accountability, uh, what he expects from players and things like that. And and the players, you know, he earns their trust when they go out there and play. And, and uh, that's the only thing you could ask for from a manager. And uh, the players know that he has their back each and every time they go out there. So they go out there and try to put extra effort to try to get him the wins each and every night. You know, and I, and I think about your guys' great Arizona Diamondback teams where you just had, you know, f multiple guys that are eventually will be in the Hall of Fame. Randy Johnson's already there. I think guys like yourself and Matt Williams got Hall of Fame votes. You had, you, you guys had a great team. but And I think about what Tony La Russa had. Tony La Russa had three MVPs. 
He had two Cy Young Award winners. He had three rookies of the year. Bob Melvin has had none of that. I mean, the way he is mixed and matched with so many different players, and as you know, most guys don't hang around Oakland that long. Just talk about that, like that he hasn't had the star-studded Ricky Hendersons of the world. Yeah, and you, and you know what he does so well is he brings out the best in every player, especially the young players when they're getting there. He has a great mix of some younger veteran guys that have been there for a while, and they kind of teach the younger players, but – you're right, uh, you know, with the players that he has there, he's had some good ones, but uh, they're all very young when they get there. And by the time they're into the superstar age, it's usually time for them to move on and go somewhere else. And that's unfortunate uh, for a guy like him because he deserves to have, uh, you know, a steady core of guys there for, you know, 10 or 12 years that can win some championships. Yeah, because if he ever gets that, I think you could start making a case he could be a Hall of Fame manager. Well, he continues every year with whatever team that uh, they leave spring training with. They're always, if not at the top, they're near the top each and every year. And I know this year they got out of the gate a little slower than normal. But, uh, I mean, look at their record now. They're right back in the mix of things. And I don't think anybody was surprised. Uh, I think the only surprise was the way they got out of the gates. But where they're at right now, I don't think it's any surprise to anybody that's been around the game of baseball for a while. You know, we had Jed Lowry on recently, and he talked about how this might be the toughest time ever to be a hitter. We know baseball is looking into this spider tack. It's hard to believe that this substance that you can get on Amazon for fourteen ninety nine, and if you're an Amazon uh, uh, Plus member, you'll you'll have it by tomorrow. But this spider tack, and we're talking about sunscreen and everything. What do you think as a hitter with all the stuff pitchers are doing to the baseball right now? Well, I know everybody's paying more attention to spin rate and all. I mean, there's so much analytics going into the game right now. It's just, it's it's changed uh, the way. I think, I think pitchers is in cold weather. I want them to have a good grip on the baseball. Believe me, I don't like that high and tight, especially nowadays where guys are throwing extremely harder than uh, what they did when I first came in the game. There was only a handful of guys throwing mid to upper 90s. And now it seems like everybody, starters, relievers, everybody's throwing 90-plus miles an hour. So, um, you know, I, I think eventually baseball will figure this out. I know they've had committees, and they're trying to figure out what they want to do exactly. But um, I, I'm glad that I'm not in the game anymore, that I have to deal with it or worry about any of that stuff. Was there ever a time when a guy was pitching against you and he and he did something so nasty you went, wait a minute, <laughs> I'm not, how is he making the ball move like that? Yeah, I mean, there's there's times where you just question certain pitches that move a different way or not. But, um, I, I you know, I think guys have always, especially pitchers, have found a way to try to get some kind of tackiness on their fingers because of the simple fact of, you know, they're constantly sweating. They have that rosin bag back there to kind of create some type of tackiness. But, I mean, there's been pitchers that have used different uh, substances like the bullfrog, the, the sun spray and everything like that. I mean, they all experiment to see what will work for them to see if they can get a better grip on the baseball. I honestly don't have a problem with it because, um, you know, like I said, I, I prefer them to have uh, control with whatever they're throwing, especially with the speeds that they're throwing now. You know, we had Tori Lovello on the show today along with yourself, and, you know, he's such a good guy. 
We got to meet him down in San Diego at the winter meetings. And since then, he's like the only manager that wants to do the the Google meets and be on video. And, and we're rooting for him. I know it's a, a rough year, especially been rough on the road. But just talk about what a good guy he is, the guy who's leading the Diamondbacks. Yeah, he really is. He's a guy that, uh, you know, his door, he has the open door policy, just as Bob Melvin does. These guys are always welcome to come in there. Um, this year has been a little bit tougher on not only him, but the whole team. We've had uh, four-fifths of our pitching staff go down with injuries. Um, we've just had a plethora of guys get out of the gate slow. Um, some of our superstar everyday guys have been hurt. So, and they just really haven't been on track. I mean, now we've, We've, uh, you know, broken a, uh, a road losing streak record right now going into Oakland, and they just uh, haven't seemed to find a way to win games on the road. We haven't won a road game since April 25th. That's when oh. Bumgarner threw the seven-inning uh, so-called no-hitter that everybody was talking about, whether it was a no-hitter or not. That seems like it was years ago, <laughs> and uh, that was the last time that our team has won a game on the road, so it's been a while. Well, we know you're doing TV tonight, but we also know once uh, COVID ends, you're going to get back on the road helping a lot of these young Diamondbacks. And I, I'm just so thankful that they're playing again. I mean, it was so sad for some of these guys to lose a year of their career. I mean, you only get so many years to prove yourself and try and get to the big leagues. Just for you personally, how great will it be for you to get back out on the road and to help these young guys try and live their dream? Oh, absolutely. I have a younger son who plays in the San Francisco Giants organization yeah. where last year just sitting around at home not being able to do anything and trying to stay, uh, you know, ahead of the curb and, and, you know, you're not seeing live hitting, you're working out and things like that. So it's it's been a tough year and I'm, you're seeing it now even with big leaguers. The injuries have just been unbelievable throughout the major leagues and in the minor leagues of some of these guys just going down uh, because of the simple fact that they've you know, taking a full year off in the minors and some of these big leaguers now they're taxing themselves a little bit more. I think now uh, last year's season would have been over. I mean, we're, we're at the 60 game mark right now, a little bit past it. So this was a full season last year. So now it's going to be a little bit tougher for these guys to see the uh, durability and the endurance that uh, hopefully they can maintain. You ever want to get Bob Melvin going around here, all you got to do is bring up your guys' 2001 Arizona Diamondbacks team that won the World Series, one of the greatest World Series of all time. And uh, last time we played you guys, he was on a Zoom call. Mark Grace got in on the Zoom call. It's just that group, I mean, you won, you, you beat the big, big bad Yankees, and that group, even to this day, you, just talk about how you guys are still all really tight. Yeah, it's an incredible group of guys. And I think if you look at the roster up and down, I would say about 85 to 90% of each and every one of those players are still involved in the game of baseball, whether it's professionally or in the college ranks. Uh, and some, a couple uh, high school coaches, everybody is from this team. It was a baseball team. Everybody loved the game, still involved in the game somehow, some way. So uh, when we got to the ballpark, it was all about baseball, finding a way. To, uh, to beat the opponent that night. And if we got beat, we were as soon as that game was over, we try to put it behind us and figure out a way how we're going to get them the next day. So it was a fun bunch of guys. We had a great uh, group of coaches and managers on that team, and Bo Mel was one of those guys. And uh, it's a great fraternity that we have. I have the utmost respect for him and his family, and I love him dearly just like, uh, like a brother. 
Well, I, and I think about you. You know, you have one of the biggest hits in the history of baseball and off the arguably one of the greatest pitchers of all time in baseball. How often do people bring that up to you? Well, in Arizona, quite a bit because, uh, you know, until this year now where the Phoenix Suns are really playing well right now in the playoffs, uh, we haven't had a, uh, a team make a good run uh, in postseason. So, um, it, it, you know, it's, it's a blessing. I played on a fantastic uh, team, and uh, I was fortunate enough to be put into that situation and be able to come through and, and get a hit off of Mariano to win the World Series. But I mean, you don't do it by yourself. Um, we had a great bunch of guys, and, uh, you know, it's something that I'll never forget. Great group of guys. I love each and every one of those guys. And now it's 20 years later, and uh, we're still talking about it. So uh, that means that we did something special here in the state of Arizona. Yeah, no doubt. And I know during COVID and during that layoff, you guys were celebrating the team, and Bob was doing TV down in Arizona. It was fun to watch. Uh, let's end on this because my producers really wants me to ask you this. Why is Bob Melvin afraid of clowns? <laughs> um, I, you know what? I, I really don't know. I, I remember uh, his, uh, his, one of his first years with Oakland when he had just left the Diamondbacks. I, uh, we were at lunchtime, and I decided that I wanted to get some clowns to go over the, uh, the dugout of the Oakland A's. We were playing in Tucson <laughs> at the time during spring training. And uh, I picked up the phone and I called this uh, this shop and I said, "Hey, I need to order, a, uh, you know, three or four clowns." And the guy's like, "Sir, we don't just have clowns sitting around here at the office." So I said, "I'll pay you guys double whatever you can do." So the owner of the shop, his wife, and then another couple uh, dressed up as clowns and went out there. And uh, we didn't see Bo Mel just about the whole game. He was in the corner of the dugout. So um, it, it was so much fun. And I think that day we had a bench clear, too, if I can recall. So it was just a hectic day. I was doing it just to try to, you know, you know, have fun with him. I love him so much that, uh, you know, it's something that was pretty funny at the time. But then it ended up being a little bit more of a uh, – a heads-up game after a while, and then I said, pull the clowns because this game got serious out there in spring training. Well, I tell you what, you know you got juice when you can pull clowns out of nowhere. <laughs> I paid for it, believe me. When my wife saw the credit card bill, she wasn't too happy about it. <laughs> hey, you're the best. We always appreciate your time, and have a great call. Let's talk later in the season. You got it, Chris. Anytime. Appreciate it. Anytime you can have a world champion, a five-time All-Star, telling you the story – of why Bob Melvin is afraid of clowns, you cannot beat it. And I got to say, Ken Korak, the voice of summer, I think he's kind of a fringe Hall of Famer when you really look at his numbers. Well, I think about Bo Mel or Luis, Luis Gonzalez? Uh, Luis Gonzalez. Now, yeah, if Bob Melvin was... Melvin, I think... He's not already in? <laughs> no, but let, let's say the A's win a World Series. I think he's a Let's candidate. Let's say that Melvin manages another seven, eight, nine years, which he's he could do. He's a young man. And let's say he gets a World Series ring. He's already a three-time manager of the year. You know? I mean, I think it's I think it's possible for him. I really do. And, and Luis Gonzalez, yeah. I mean, he's to me, he's in that all-time good category. Yeah. I mean, the all-time greats are in the Hall of Fame, and there's nothing wrong with being an all-time good. Yeah, you're in that Steve Garvey, 
Uh, you know, the guy, Dale Murphy, you know, you're, you're in that cat. Like, you want them to be Hall of Famers? It's just, eh, unless the veterans community is going to vote I, them in. I used to work with Jerry Royce, yeah. who had a really good career. He won 225 games. I said, Jerry, you know, I have to be honest with you. You were an all-time good. You know, I'm not sure you're, you know, all-time great, but you were certainly, you were certainly an all-time good. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, all-time all good is pretty good. And when he was playing, they were making a lot of money. That's right. So what was it like being on the field? Well, I was a little giddy. I was like a kid down there. It was, it was great. It really was nice, and, you, you know, we really missed going down. And I had wondered because, uh, obviously, there are still some protocols in place, and I don't think we've completely rid ourselves of of COVID around the world and certainly here in the U.S., although we're, we're making great strides, obviously. So um, it was really nice to see people. And let's face it, uh, Chris, there are maybe eight, ten guys in this club that we've never met yeah. in person, right? Yeah. But seeing someone like Jed Lowry is back with the A's for his, his third stint. And uh, the A's hitting coach, Darren Bush, says something very nice down there where he said, we really missed you guys. It's not the same. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel whole even though we're down on the field without you guys being down here. So that's an acknowledgement that we all kind of have a part to play uh, in this thing. So I kind of looked at the grass and it was, it was real grass. It's kind of cool, you know, it's like the real thing, but um, it's nice and we appreciate Major League Baseball and the A's uh, taking this step. So I think baby steps, but uh, it was nice being down there for sure. Yeah, I can't wait to, for us to get our show back. You know, because it's one of the most unique baseball shows in our business where we do a live talk show from the field. We have access to to the team and the, and the staff like no one else, you know, when you look at streaming or, or traditional radio. And I just can't wait to get that back because we've really missed that. And the players, for them, they've always liked coming over and put the headset on because mm -hmm. it's a real comfortable environment. Yeah, and I found that, and everybody's doing the best they can, but... When the A's, while the A's were in Seattle and in Denver, you know, especially in Denver, because we had Piscotti on the Zoom call in Seattle, but they're kind of moving in the direction of just doing this down on the, on the field now, which is great. But um, even the Zoom calls were helpful. And you miss that because you want to bring some of the color of the game uh, to your listeners. You want to be able to talk about things uh, that go beyond the game notes and the stats and the things you... Uh, that you know you have access to from that standpoint. So I think being able to communicate what's going on with the players and humanize them a little bit, Chris. As I've said many times, um, the great Dick Enberg said, uh, when you're when you're doing a game, whether it's radio or TV, uh, give the audience a reason to care. So you want you want your players to be more than just guys with names on their backs and numbers on their uniforms. Well, I got to tell you, a guy that I've been real bullish on, I, 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 and I mean, he's the MVP for me. I mean, I know Olsen's got some power numbers, and he's been, you know, that batting average has risen, but Mark Canna to me. I mean, just to have a guy on your team that can bat leadoff, that can play center field when you need it because your center fielder went down, he drives in runs, he's always on base, I, you know, we've got some articles where they're starting to talk about All-Star Game. And uh, one article we have is having him actually start in the All-Star Game in left field. I don't, I don't think he'll get the votes, but I don't think that's crazy. You can make a case that he should be in that lineup when they play the National League in Colorado. 
I agree, and I think you and I have talked about this on the postgame show, Chris, and that's that the A's are having another good year. This is four really good years in a row for them. That I think that there, there should be some validation of that with more than one athletic being on the team. And Canna is really uh, deserving, obviously. And the fact that he's been able to play center field, I think it surprised even Bob Melvin. Uh, when he first put Canna out there, I don't think Bo Mel knew that uh, he would eventually become this accomplished in center. The other thing, that when you have injuries, it's, and it's more than just Canna being able to go to center, Tony Kemp has been a huge factor for this club now. And playing left field tonight, he, uh, you know, playing second base when Jed needs a day or Jed is DHing. And you mentioned uh, Canna driving in some runs. For a long time, he wasn't getting any RBIs at all because the A's weren't getting anybody on base at the bottom of the order. So now you see Kemp getting on quite a bit. You see Elvis picking up the pace. And that's really helped guys at the top of the lineup be, uh, you know, be put in situations where they have a chance to drive in a run. I'm glad you brought that up because Tony Kemp has got his, his, his uh, batting average up to 287. That's like winning a batting title on the A's. And his on base is 400. Yeah, he's been he's been fantastic. And you know what? Uh, the athleticism is something that's definitely needed. You know, the other day when he hit one down the line, the TV cameras didn't catch up to him until he was past second base. Well, believe me, we're doing the game off the TV <laughs> monitor, pal. So we know all about that stuff. Yeah, he, <laughs> he, he, he absolutely flies. And, you know, the thing that I know you and I have talked about uh, in the postgame show, they got to get better at home. Yeah. And you you got to get fat and happy off a team that's lost 17 straight road games. Yeah, and the fear you have is that they're going to win a game at some point. You just yeah. don't want it to be against you. And I'm looking at their lineup, and they've got a decent lineup. They've got some guys that can hurt you, Chris. It's not a gimme. They've really had a tough time pitching. And I'm sure you've talked about it. Their, their ERA is last in the National League. They've had a bunch of injuries and starters that are out. But I'm looking at guys like Cattell Marte. Uh, he can hurt you. Peralta's a good player, so you go down through their lineup, and, um, you know, I, I still think they're, it's, I mean, they're having an awful year, but it's, it's not a gimme that the A's are going to win these two games. No, the other guys get paid, too. That's right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, uh, I got that line from my old partner, Bill Romanowski, you know, especially on Sundays. Anybody can beat anybody, so the other guys are getting paid. Uh, sad yeah. news today, and we, you know, I kind of predicted it, and I, this is one where I hate to be right, but Chris Davis being DFA'd and yeah, um, I, you know, speaking of, of sad news, I just I'm sure you've talked about this, but our our hearts go out, our best um, goes out to Dwayne Kuyper and his family. Yeah. So the fact that Dwayne is dealing with a you know a tough medical situation, as he said in the note that he sent that, that the Giants published, um, uh, he's going through a, a chemotherapy um, treatment program right now, so. Uh, and all of us have so much respect for Kipe and what he's accomplished as a player and as a broadcaster. He's just phenomenal. So um, he's going to be in our thoughts right now, uh, Chris. But, yeah, Chris Davis, I don't know what to say. You know, he was, he was great, and then he wasn't. It was pretty rapid the way that, that turned out. And I, I, was, I was hopeful because he was good down the stretch for the A's, and he had a nice postseason. Uh, he put up some good numbers in the postseason, and especially if, if you know my memory could fail me, but against the Astros at Dodger Stadium, he did a nice job. So I was thinking maybe that would buoy his confidence into the offseason. And then he got hurt during spring training, and he never got back on track. So uh, it's a really interesting thing because he's not an old man 
what is he, 33 now? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe he's got, he has some baseball left. You know, it made me think of Jack Cust. You know, when, when, when you're a player, you do one thing, right? You hit home runs. And all of a sudden, you stop hitting home runs. There's not the value there anymore. And I do think of Chris Davis in that run. And I remember we'd always see this in the game notes. How many times his home run would tie the game, put the A's ahead. Mm -hmm. He was getting big hits. I mean, he had some monster years. And we've kind of seen it a little bit with Matt Chapman where you watch a guy be great, and then all of a sudden they have a hard time just making quality contact. Well, Matt's getting beat on fastballs all the time. I mean, that's it's a steady diet of fastballs. I thought he picked it up a little bit on the trip, but the one thing that Chapman has that Jack Cust and Chris Davis didn't have was that he can go play defense and still be great at third base. So that's still a... It's still a weapon for the A's when he's out there, and I think that Chapman and Elvis have been great together on the left side. But with Chris, with Davis, it's a limited market for a guy like that because he can't really play the field. So he's got to be a DH. He has to play in the American League. Well, you know, not only give Tony Kemp some credit, and uh, our buddy Shooty Babbitt was talking to us about this the other day, is how Elvis looks out there at shortstop. And he's starting to hit. So it's like all these trade rumors about a shortstop. I don't know if the A's are going to need a shortstop at the deadline. If Elvis is going to play like this defensively, and he's going to give you something at the bottom of the order. Unless it was a, a phenomenal improvement, like you're getting a big star to play short. Who knows? You know that would be it'd be hard to find for half a season. I know there are a bunch of free agents out there. I'm with you. I'm a big Elvis fan. I was a fan when he was with the Rangers, but I'm surprised by how well he's played from the standpoint that we know how difficult back injuries can be to overcome. And he just lost his athleticism last year. He could hardly move around. Yeah. With the Rangers, he couldn't play. He was on the IL and, and spent as much time on the IL as he did playing. So to bounce back from that, and he has an infectious personality. He's someone that is really important in the clubhouse and in the dugout because of that. Uh, he is a winning player, Chris. He's not going to hit for power, but he's hitting over 300 for the last, what, 25 games or so. He's really good defensively. He's a shortstop in every, oh, yeah. in every way, right? He's smooth. He glides. He has great hands. He has good instincts, has a great feel for the game. And when he gets on base, he can still impact the game with his legs because I think he can, he can steal bases. He can go from first to third. We've, we saw him uh, in Boston force a balk with Eduardo Rodriguez on the mound. So uh, he, right now he is a big plus for the A's. Did you talk to him today? I did. Yeah. We were down there, Vinny and I were down there talking to him a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he, I mean, other than when you may have ran into him with the Rangers, you haven't met him yet, right? There's eight or ten guys in this club I've never met. And I've been doing the games here for 26 years. You they're know, they're, look, they're looking at you going, who are you? Who are you? And I'm, <laughs> I'm glad that some of the guys I haven't seen since 19 remembered who I was. You know, it's like, who are you? Oh, yeah, you're the guy that talks on the radio. Ken, but, Ken who? But Eric Martins uh, was not the assistant hitting coach. The last year we were able to go down in 19. Now I knew him from his time in the minor leagues with the A's, but it was great to catch up with him. He's just a great guy, does, does a good job. And, uh, you know, Jed, uh, third stint with the A's. So uh, that was kind of a – it was kind of a cool thing being down there today. Jed's just such a super guy. I mean, he it's just he's, – he's, he's a classy guy. Um, you know, there, there's certain guys on this team that really give you thoughtful answers. Mm -hmm. Tony Kemp's one of those guys. Cole Irvin's one of those guys. Uh, and I think you definitely say, you know, Jed is so seasoned. He's a smart guy. 
And it's just there's there's something about Oakland and Jed Lowry. It just goes hand in hand. He's never been this good anywhere else or this healthy or even close to it. Canna's another one of those guys that gives you great yep. answers. Very Canna's a really cerebral guy. And he's really into the whole kind of mental aspect of the game, too, and trying to figure out the, um, the mental game as well as the physical game. So they're, they're guys that, that are um, – and that's one of the things about the Zoom calls. It's not the same as, as talking to someone in person uh, because they can be a little stiff, maybe a little too formal. So you, maybe you don't get kind of the, the stuff you would get in a, you know, in a more informal environment. But I, I think there have been several of the ace players who still have given us some good stuff even on the Zoom calls, Chris, and that's a credit to them. Mark Canna, would you give him the Billy Butler deal right now? Yeah, for sure. I'd definitely do that. <laughs> well, they gave Jermaine Dye three years and $30 million, I think, in 2002 or three, didn't they? So it's not unprecedented that the A's have done that with players. So I just can't imagine. He's been so valuable. I just can't imagine him leaving. And he's a local kid, too. Yeah. Yeah, I know. He's a free agent, right? Yeah. After this year. He's going to so. get paid by somebody. 2002. 02. Oh, oh, 02, yeah. He three got years, three, 32. Three and 32, which in 02 is a lot of money. Yeah, back to yeah, I mean, that's 19 years ago, and, you know, people say, well, the A's never extend anybody or give them. I mean, that was a significant commitment that they made to uh, die back then. Yeah, so was the, the Billy Butler, three for 30. That was big. Ben Sheets got, what, one year and 10? Yeah, that was I a big think. deal. I mean, Doolittle uh, got extended. Chavez got extended. And Chavez got a pretty sizable deal, too. So you, there are certain guys you really hope that they're able to hang on to after this year, and Canada would be one of them for sure. And the rumor mills have Sean Doolittle maybe coming back to the Oakland Athletics. Well, he's one of our favorites for sure. I mean, he's a pretty, you know, beside being a good picture, a pitcher, he's a pretty intellectual guy. He's one of those guys that's really fun to talk about uh, things that go beyond baseball. Uh, fun guy, really good guy. So let's end on this. What's kind of like the routine for fans to know about you as, as you're getting ready for the ball game? You come down here, obviously. To I just do the hang NBA. out with you guys, you know. That's all. We just hang any, out. Any specialties? Uh no, you know, I've been doing the same thing for all these years, Chris. It's it's no I mean, it's nothing it's nothing anybody wouldn't do in their line of work to get ready for their job. I think you can you can put in whatever you want to. You get out of it how much you put in. So but um you know, it starts at home in the morning. I usually spend an hour and a half or so at home and then, you know, come out here, do the Bo Mel show. That's a big part of the morning, obviously, and then uh, peruse the game notes. The stuff I do in the morning is kind of my own stuff, you know, that 90 minutes or so. And then you come out here and going back down to the field has always been a big part of the pregame routine. But now it's going through the lineups and especially with a team like the D-backs, I don't know them that well. So you have to do a little more research for them. Uh, if the A's are playing, you know, the Angels or the Mariners, you know those guys. I don't know these guys that well at all. So it's kind of a crash course on that. And then you forget about it after tomorrow because they're here for a night game and a day game and they're gone. Who knows when the A's are going to play them again, right? <laughs> yeah. So anyway. Spring training. Tori Lavello, one of the great guys, and uh, I know you had him on. He's right, going to be on at 5 o'clock. Yeah, I mean, I remember him from uh, being here in 96. So uh, so anyway, that's what we do. So it's basically like your golf game, just steady Eddie down the middle all day? I don't know. I mean, there's a there's – a, there's a correlation between the golf game and the broadcasting game. 
and that is that it can be a little fleeting, I think, sometimes. Right? Well, that kind of makes sense about my show. It's all over the place. <laughs> right? right? you got to focus. Yeah. Right? Well, gotta... I, I, heard on, uh, I heard Thursday you, I mean, you, you put a two, Townie, and everyone else. I didn't play well. That's well, a, yeah, apparently either did he, but... No, I did not play well at <laughs> all. It's a really hard golf course where we played. We That's had what a I great heard. time. It was wonderful getting out. Those days are, you know, they're so meaningful to be able to hang out and get away from the grind of it, you know, even for half a day. It's, it, was, uh, it was really great spending time with, uh, you know, Townie and Vince and Shooty. Shooty's a kick to play with. Oh, yeah. Right. Wait, wait, was, it, was it smart of me to join a golf course that's like the hardest golf course? <laughs> Is that really a good idea? Well, you know what they say, your handicap will travel. So if you, whatever your handicap is down there, someone would want you as a partner in like a member member or member guest or whatever because you're used to playing the hard golf courses and your handicap's going to reflect that. So well, I went down it, to, it would travel well. I went down to Poppy Hills on Monday and played and, with the same ball. And you shot? I think it was 87. That's okay. I, I, I played with the seriously the same ball the entire you round. You didn't lose the ball in the forest down there and Poppy. That's no, great. because you know why you find the ball there. Yeah. Where I play, it's gone and there's rattlesnakes now and. They've renovated Poppy. It's a better course than it was about yeah. 10, 12 years ago. I enjoyed it. It's really yeah, nice. It's, it's a better golf course now. It's what it used to yeah. look like, right? Well, I, I no, I'm not sure. I think I wasn't. I mean, it's. It's always it's always thrilling to play golf down there, you know, in the Monterey Peninsula. But I thought it was a, kind of a little tricked up, you know, a little contrived. And I think they softened it up a little bit in this this uh, latest renovation. So I, I really like what they did. Well, have a good call, and we'll talk to you after the game. We're not going to talk some golf. <laughs> oh, I can sit here and talk right. to you all day. Yeah. All right, buddy. All right. Enjoy it. Thanks. The great Ken Korak. He'll be coming your way at 640. 6.40, right? Yeah, 6.40. It's, it's not a weird start time like we have in Colorado. Hey, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll take 6.40 over 7.07 any day of the week. Yeah, like we had in Seattle. Yeah, I mean, any time that you can be done by 10 and then I get to the postgame show, I, I, I'm down. What, I, what, what about that four-and-a-half-hour-long game that we had in Colorado the other night? Oh, my God. I don't know. Seriously, if the Rockies called me up and offered me a job, I, I would I, it would have to be for a lot of money because uh, I don't think personally I could sit through those games that they have day in and day out. You hear me complain about our games. I mean, we, we one of the games was three hours and 46 minutes, right? Let me check. the. Yeah, that's right. It was what was the final nine, yeah, five, nine, five. It was three and it wasn't an extra innings game. Yeah. Three hours and 46 minutes. Now, let me let me ask you a question. Who can potentially sit there and watch three hours and 46 minutes straight on television? Like, I do it because I get paid and I got to watch it and I keep score. But if you're just a fan, you're, you're honestly just going to sit on your couch and not do anything for three hours and 46 minutes? You, I mean, you're, that, that's, that's the whole point of why things need to change. Because people just don't have that kind of time. I mean, I mean, how many, can you sit there and just sit there for three hours and four, maybe get up, go to the bathroom, grab something to eat? But that's a long time. Like, if you went to a movie theater, you'd be, after, after it gets to, after three hours, you're like, my God, when's this going to end? 
I know the Titanic is going it's, to it's sink in. Can we do it in two hours and 30 minutes, not three hours and 30? Well, spoiler alert. I mean, people don't know that. Yeah. Well, spoiler that The really, Titanic is still at the bottom of the sea. Nothing's yeah. changed. Yeah, that, the, spoiler, that movie, that's actually a real thing. It actually really happened. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, as, as Billy Bean said, Brad Pitt said Moneyball. I, I, I don't watch the games. So uh, um, that was a Friday night game, though, right? The Colorado, but – no, no, it wasn't. No, that was during the week. No. Was it Thursday? No, it was a Friday night. Sorry. I kept thinking it was a, a, a weird – it was a Friday night game because um, we talked to Bob the next morning. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a Friday night game. So. And Bob didn't even know. Yeah. That's why these guys are so <laughs> into it. I'm like, did you know last night's game was serious? He was like, it was that long? I went, yeah. Because you're so stressed playing in Colorado because you know at any point either team – is a couple swings away from erasing whatever deficit you got. You know, it, it, it is the one ballpark, and I talked to Ray Fossey about this. It's the one ballpark where the unwritten rules do not apply. Like, if you're stealing up eight runs, you, you know, the, the batter's not going to get drilled. You always have to add on. Whether it's eight runs, ten runs, you don't stop playing – because a team can put up a seven spot like that in one inning. We've I, seen it. I don't, I don't know. Don't tell Tony LaRusso or Chris Woodward that, that they're there. Tony LaRusso. Did, did you get the Texas name of Tony and his uh, south side? Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I, I still don't know. I, 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 I don't know if I like those or not. Well, the Cubs apparently released their theirs today. I didn't really get a good look at it. Does there say north side? Um, I, like I said, I didn't really get a good I just saw the ESPN article about it, but – um, the, the big thing that I saw today, I'm, I'm going to play it for you here because uh, we have a couple minutes before we get to Tory. Um, Garrett Cole. Uh-oh. Garrett Cole was asked about uh, spider tack by the New York media. Not Bay Area media, not Pittsburgh media, not uh, Seattle media, the New York media. Yeah, the New York media compared to our media? Huh. Oh. I will never forget. It was it was um, who who's the who's the kick returner for was it Kyle Williams who, uh, who muffed the, the NFC yeah, that, title that, game? That's, that was um, that's Kenny Williams' kid, I believe. Yeah, right? yeah, Kyle Williams. So sitting in the press box here at Candlestick Park, more than half of the press box is the New York media. They got so many writers. They oh, got so. I mean, it was the Giants. It, it it's it's great. Like when the Yankees come to town, and these guys, like, look at this. This is a star player right here. This is your star free agent, and you're not. They're not afraid to ask tough questions. So how many how, how many people in our media are walking around saying, "Hey, do you use Spider Tech? Do you use Spider Tech? How many? No. You think any of our guys are even being asked? No. So here here's Garrett Cole being asked about Spider Tech, and I I'm now mind you for. Timing purposes, I cut out some of his long pauses, but here's what Garrett Cole, Garrett, Garrett Cole being asked by the New York media today about spider attack. And have you ever used spider attack while pitching? Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if, uh, I don't know quite, I don't quite know how to answer that, to be honest. Um, I mean, there are customs and practices that have been passed down from, older players to younger players from the last generation of players to this generation of players. And, um, you know, I, I think, 
I think there are some things that are certainly out of bounds in that regard. And, and uh, I've stood pretty, stood pretty firm in, in terms of that, uh, in terms of the communication between our peers and whatnot. Um, you know, and, and I, again, like I mentioned earlier, there's, you know, this is important to a lot of people that love the game. And this is including, including the players in this room, including fans, including, you know, teams. And so if MLB wants to, you know, legislate some more stuff, that's a conversation that we can have um, because ultimately we should all be pulling in the same direction on this. That literally is the worst answer of all time. You might as well just said yes. That's what I said. Just and, say yes. And just get out in front of it. Because, but then again, you got to worry about this. And it's a good point that someone said to me. Um, then you got to worry about the next question is, well, were you using it? Is that how you got your contract? you got to worry about all these questions that are – well, I know from firsthand experience, he wasn't using spider tack in Pittsburgh because he, been, he wasn't this good in Pittsburgh. But in Houston, he was really good. Remember, Trevor Bauer called out the Astros years ago about this. But now we're seeing it now. Cole was asked about it, and then – you know, four minor leaguers were suspended for, you know, substances. And then Garrett Cole's first start, he uh, gets in trouble. And then Buster Olney breaks a piece over the weekend saying how, you know, pitchers are ra- going to be randomly uh, checked by umpires with every starting pitcher likely to be checked at least two times per start. And now uh, they're hoping to get to start him possibly by next Monday. So, or, yeah, so a week from, a week from yesterday. So what was this article in the origin of spider tag that's in the athletic today by Stephen Nesbitt okay so the article says I don't know what he's looking at but he said I already had a short answer but it took falling through the internet mine shaft to learn more about spider tack it's easier it's easier to get your hands on the stuff 3599 plus shipping. For a nine ounce container on Amazon, I I saw it by fourteen bucks. So we were talking to Eno when you uh, Eno Saris when you found yeah, it. Yeah, I I just went right on. To, you know, we're an an Amazon Plus family. Amazon I, Prime. Amazon Prime, Prime. Prime. I could get on there right now and order it and have it here tomorrow. I mean, the guy invented it is one of those strongest man guys. Yeah, he's a big. So when you're picking up the boulders, yeah, it it, it makes it it makes sense. I mean, he's you got a big boulder that you got to move, and you're in competition. You put this stuff on your hands, you get a great grip. He had, the guy has no had no idea that it was people were using it in baseball. That's the best part of the article. The guy had no idea that it was being used in baseball. I wonder what kind of money he makes off of it. So he owns the company. He's yeah. Spider Strength LLC has no office. So the thing that supposedly is ruining baseball, I can get on Amazon for 15 bucks, and the guy who owns and created this, he doesn't even have an office. He's like a one-man employee, <laughs> and this is ruining baseball? How is this possible? It's crazy. Uh, it's a really good story. It's a really good piece when you get a chance to check, like, to, for people to check out on The Athletic. It's, uh, it's really fascinating. The guy, like I said, the guy had no idea that, uh, that, he, that this was going on in baseball, that I think he created the help for him like getting into bodybuilding when he was in school and college and like North Dakota when he was trying to bodybuild and all that stuff is now taking over taking baseball by storm. They call it spider tack because it comes out of a container stringy, really sticky like a spider web. Uh, see, we see. I would think Spider Man, but see, I don't. I don't know any of this stuff. I wasn't a pitcher. I never used any of this stuff. I think we got to buy it and test it out. All right, I'll go home tonight and I'll order it and should be here in a couple days and we'll go down and get a ball and see if it will come out of our hands. Let's uh let's talk to uh 
Let's talk to um, someone on the grounds. See, let's get, see if Clay would have let us on the field on the off on an off day come up. See if we can tr- test it out. You were a pitcher. So let's get where your spin rate going. Because because <laughs> the spin rate will be blowing out my elbow. Uh, I don't know if they're going to want us down there experimenting with spider tack. <laughs> I, mean, I don't I don't know if that we may we we may have to come out really early before the players come out. And, and check it out and kind of do it on our own. Well, you do live across the street from a, a Little League field. We can try it there. Hey, Mark Canna <laughs> played Little League right across from my house. And that's great to see, by the way, to see all these kids playing it in all the different ages. Because, you know, those those Little League fields were empty for a long time. Yeah. And also that's right across. So I live right across the street from a park. And that's where Little League is. That's where flag football is. That's where soccer and it was so sad just to see an empty park, people walking their dogs for so long. But it's so great. You know, I used to complain about all the cars in front of my house. Now I don't complain. It's great to see them. Great to see those kids playing again. Yeah. And, I mean, when I was on a Pismo watching uh, Dina's little cousin get ready for Little League, he's seven, seven or he's eight, seven or eight, just getting those, seeing those kids learn the fundamentals of baseball. Well, I mean, they weren't really learning a lot. I'll just throw it out the coaching down. It wasn't that great. But still, it was good seeing them out there playing, getting ready for baseball, because last year we didn't, see, we didn't get a chance to see any of that. Coming up next, the manager of the Arizona Diamondbacks, former Oakland Athletic, Tori Lavella, will join us right here on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live continues from Ricky Henderson Field. Here's Chris Townsend. Oh, I can't wait for us to get back on the field. Right next to the dugout, watching batting practice having A's players come over, having the opposing team's players come over. It just makes it so easy. I remember when Trey Mancini came over, he was like, this is a really cool setup. You know, the, the, the players are impressed by it because nowhere else in baseball do they have this. I'm just hoping we can get back down to the field as soon as possible. Well, every single time we're going to take on the D-backs in any way, Tori Lavello, the manager, just a great guy. Great guy. Unfortunately, his team's struggling right now. But, you know, I think they understand what kind of quality manager, and he's a former Oakland Athletic. Here is my conversation with the skipper of the D-backs. Well, it's great to see you. Hope life has been good for you. I appreciate the time, man. I always enjoy it with you guys. And, um, you know, when I got got word that you wanted to sit down and chit-chat, I was honored. So, uh, things are going all right. You know, uh, baseball season is and the grind is upon us and uh, probably the grind times 10 right now, but we're going to figure a way out of this. Well, you know, I think for a lot of us, no matter even what your record is, just the fact that we're playing again and we have a full season and you got fans in the stands and you guys have had a lot of fans in the stands. That's been great to see in Arizona. For sure. You know what? Um, the baseball industry is back up and running. Um you know, each state has their, their guidelines and slowly but surely we're starting to get all of our fans back. And it's been great to have them back. And we miss them. We missed our fans in Arizona. But when we you know, come to any visiting stadium, we missed all baseball fans. And I think for the industry to uh, be playing in front of their fans and, and doing the things that we do every single day, uh, it's good for everybody's soul and everybody's mind. And it tells us that normalcy is slowly trickling back to us and hopefully uh, sometime sooner than later, later we're going to see full stadiums in every in every state that we go to. You know, I think about last year, these players essentially playing in front of cardboard cutouts and yeah. then now getting the fans in again. 
I mean, you forget about that adrenaline and what that adrenaline does for players, especially as we get later in the season and you're a little sore, you're a little tired, but the fans get you going. So just talk about what that's been like for your players. I know our players have been like, thank God we got fans back. Yeah, you know, um, it's you're hitting exactly right. Um, the the ambient noise and, and all the, everything that was kind of – put out there for us to feel like there was some normalcy last year is now being placed with, with the real thing. And you can't place replace the, the support of the fans. Um, and you hear everything and you're right in those critical moments, they can give you a little bit of a boost and a little bit of a push to make you feel good about something that you're doing well, uh, or visiting stadium, you, you know, you get the booze, but that, that's, <laughs> that's what baseball is all about. Um, look, you, you coming, coming into Oakland last year, there was, there was no party in right field. I missed that. I missed their, 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 their bump. I miss the the, the music they play, the sh- the shouting and the chanting. So super excited to be back here and hear them hear them getting after it once again. Well, I'll tell you what, their fan favorite, Josh Reddick, is in the building. Are we gonna? Yeah. Ha- we haven't seen the lineups yet, but if he goes out there, they're gonna go nuts. Yeah, for sure. I know that it was a little bit like that with Stephen Vo last year, um, and I asked Voter if they would if they would probably sing the "We Believe We Believe in Stephen Vote chant. And uh, I guess he talked to the, the main guy and he said, we will never, ever officially root out loud for a visiting player. It's just against our nature. But I know Red was really good here for a long time. I'm sure there's going to be something. I'm going to be keyed in on it because I know what that group already said, the voter. We'll see what they do tonight. But I know he's excited to be back here. He's been visiting with everybody. But I know when he, when he gets between the white lines, he's going to want to get after. So what was that like reuniting with him? Well, it was pretty fun for me. You know, I had Red as a young player in, um, in the Red Sox system and, uh, I always thought very highly of him. I thought that he was loaded with talent. He would, he was young and do, would do some unbelievably quirky things that you would be like, what was that red? And then, you know, as I watched him play and grow and, and mature, he eliminated all those quirky odd moments and became a very consistent performer. You know, he was, he was a mainstay here in Oakland. He played great defense, had some huge knocks and some big moments for this organization. So Glad to be back with him. He's he's definitely matured a little bit. I can see that the, the processor slowed down. He's got he's got that that you know mindset that he's got to go out there and play under control and have good moments. And he's just a good baseball player. Good to be back with him. What's it like for you to come back to the Coliseum? Yeah, I always love coming back here. You know, I spent almost a full baseball season here and got a chance to to see these fans and see what this this organization organization does so well. So coming back here is always very special for me. Um, and, you know, I, they're in the other league, so I can silently root for them and, and see what they're doing. I'll, I'll go ahead and say that I do that. But there's just good people here. You know, it starts with Billy Bean. He, uh, he was obviously the GM here when I was here, and he just did a great job of building this franchise and helping it get to what it is today. And I know that David's now in charge. And I practically grew up in the same neighborhood as David, so we kind of crossed paths a little bit. So I have a very soft spot for a lot of reasons when we come back here. Yeah, because you understand, and a lot of people in baseball understand, we've talked to Billy about this, is that the hurdles here in Oakland, I, they are what they are. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just different than a lot of organizations. And the fact that they've all been doing it, Bob Melvin just passed, Tony La Russa, I mean, they've been doing it with so many different players, so many different ways. Uh, when you went over the scouting reports, going, getting ready for the series, how is Oakland different from the last time you saw them? Well, I will say this. You're right. I think Bo Mel and David and Billy have done an unbelievable job for so many years. And um, they mix and match guys as good as anybody that I've ever seen. And look, they're, they're challenged in a lot of ways, um, a lot of similar ways to the Arizona Diamondbacks. We, we unfortunately um, you know, don't have a lot of extra funds to go out and, and get these high-priced free agents. And 
um, this is this is the mold. This is this is the standard setter. The, the the A's have been doing it at this level, this way for a long period of time. So the game plan against them is very challenging. They have practically two teams. It's like it's a line change. You get one group in, and then you get the next group in, and they're all going to get that perfect matchup. And they've been designed that way. So these players walking in here understand what their roles are, and you end up having these players with these career years. And you can't explain it. It's just good management. That's really what it comes down to for me. You guys are playing in a really tough division because I can tell you up here, nobody saw the San Francisco Giants doing this. We, we, we knew the Padres would be good. We knew the Dodgers would be good. But you got a three-headed monster in your division. It's not an easy division. Yeah, you know what? The NL West is very rugged. I came from the AL East, um, and it reminds me of that, you know, with the, with the Yankees, the Red Sox, and Tampa Bay. And it's obviously shifted now. Um, but at that point in time, it was, you know, you get, you get into that – into that division, um, and it's just beat each other's brains in and, and uh, let, let the strongest survive. But, yeah, those guys, those three teams have done an unbelievable job. And look at what's happened across the bay here is, is not anything anybody predicted. It was everything Padres, everything Dodgers, deservedly so. So Gabe and his group over there across the bay, they deserve a lot of credit. But we know when we get into that division, we got to be at our best, and that's what I always expect from our guys. You know, speaking about growing up in Southern California, can you imagine if you were a kid now – and you got Trout, the best player in the game. You got Shohei Otani doing stuff that no one's ever seen before. It's just, it's magical. Mm -hmm. Then you throw in all the guys on the Dodgers, and now you got Fernando Tatis and Manny Machado. The amount of talent in Southern California. Our game is at a good place. Real good place, right? Um, and there was a point in time I was like, why are all the best players transitioning to the to the NL West? Keep them out. <laughs> I, I'm tired of those. I was tired of Betts and Machado, right? Keep them out of here. But look, um, it's fun to watch some of the best players perform and have the best seat in the house. I'm in the opposing dugout watching these guys perform. And what it also does is it raises our level of expectations. When we see these guys perform, we know what greatness looks like. And I want our guys to see that. We have really good young players in our organization that are eventually going to take the next steps and be that, that type of player themselves. And if you see it and learn it, uh, learn from it firsthand, I think that's the fastest learning curve. You know, we all go through this. We go through spurts where you got a couple of years in the postseason, and then you do a couple of years where you're not in the postseason. And just, you know, from where what you're doing with your team right now, I remember when we talked at the winter meetings in San Diego about the culture in the clubhouse. And I got to mm -hmm. think you're, you, you and your staff are doing a lot of teaching right now. When you got a young team and you know you're not always going to be on the winning end, but it, it's the great teaching moments that propel you going forward. Just talk about what you, what you and your staff are doing with a lot of these young guys. Yeah, you're nailing it. Um, we want to win baseball games. Look, we still know there's 100 games left in the season and anything's, anything's possible. But while we're in this, um, we're going to continue teaching. And you know, eventually you get to that level where the players start to do things well on their own, but you're always going to posture them and be there for those teaching moments. But especially while we're going through this time, right, I'm with the staff every single day talking about – you know, we got to fight every single day because of some very difficult circumstances that are out of our control or in our control. But we got to be great teachers because we can't let these guys go uh, rogue, figure out things on their own. We want to make things happen as quickly as possible. So, yes, there are a ton of conversations with players on a daily basis. I don't like a lot of team meetings, so we kind of break them up into smaller groups or have individual conversations. But on a daily basis, I'll have two or three players at a time. Um, coming into my office to talk baseball just to go over different situations and I know the coaching staff's doing the exact same thing well ever since San Diego we've been running a promo here on A's cast of your your hilarious story about being sent down on your birthday by Art Howe man man Art that's cold 
<laughs> you got a great memory, right? I'll never forget. We were in Toronto, and I'm, the story is like I could tell it again. Scott Brocious got me a, got me a great lunch in downtown Toronto, and and we were going to get together as a group afterwards and have a really nice dinner. And I remember walking out of Art's office and saying, "Boys, I, I hate to ruin the party. I'm on my way back to San Francisco. I, I got shipped out, so I'm going." I'm going to Edmonton. That's where the AAA was. But um, that's what happens in baseball. I remember meeting with Billy the next couple couple days later as I was getting my stuff out of my house here in, in Oakland. And he said, you know, I'm sorry, man. That's just how baseball is. And I get it. That's how this game can treat you once in a while. Well, we don't secretly, we openly root for you. You're our National League team. You've been so good to us here on A's Cast. So we're rooting for you guys and hope that you start beating these guys in the National League well, in the National League West. Be well, be safe, and let's talk soon. Likewise. Always a pleasure, you guys. Talk to you soon. Oh, what a good guy. And I uh, I texted Mike Farron, who works, who comes on this program, friend of the show, works for SiriusXM, the MLB channel, and also works for the Diamondbacks. And he's like, Tori's like the best human being ever. I mean, just, just a super, super guy. And I'm just hoping, I'm just hoping that uh, he can turn this thing around because they – are like historically bad. Uh, what, what, what's the? Uh, they've lost how many? Seventeen in a row on the road. There have only been three longer losing streaks in the divisional era than their seventeen game. The '85 Pirates lost nineteen in a row. The 1970 Brewers. And, uh, God, the Pirates are on here again. God, why do I root for such a losing fan team? Uh, the '90 the 1970 Brewers and 2010 Pirates lost uh, each lost seventeen in a row. Um, so. Ah, uh, that's that's not good. That's not good. That's not good. <laughs> In a sport where it's either winning or losing, that is not good. Remember, the Rockies have only won four games on the road all year, so you're, they're not that bad, but they've just lost 17 in a row on the road. Last time they won was Mass and Bumgarner's no-hitter, seventh seven-inning no-hitter. The Rockies have won a game on the road since then, probably. Unbelievable. All right, let's get a little buying or selling. It's time for Buying or Selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. All right, so this is going to shock you, but um, I don't know if what you were doing this weekend. We talked a little bit, but... Uh, I was working. <clears throat> I, I was with there with you, not as much as you were, but I was there. But uh, I don't know if you saw or not, but um, the Yankees and Red Sox played over the weekend. No. Friday night, guess what game was on? No. Guess Saturday night. Guess what game was on during the day? No. Guess what Sunday night baseball? Can't, can't. It had to be Kansas City against. No, uh, no, that was last week. The Pirates in Kansas City for the Monday night baseball game. I don't know. I don't. Of all teams, you picked the Pirates and Royals. But anyway, it doesn't matter. So uh, the Red Sox went into the Bronx and swept the Yankees for the first time in 10 years. So entering yesterday, the Yankees were 31 and 29. Six and a half games back of the Rays, and they're two and eight in their last ten. Uh, they have the second fewest runs scored in the American League. They've grounded into the most double plays in Major League Baseball. They have a negative run differential. Every one of the teams having a down near, including Aaron Judge. Garrett Cole can answer questions about if he's used Spider Tack or not. Uh, that was a very awkward thing that we just played earlier here on Ace Cast Live. Gonna ask you very plain and uh, just throw it out there. Buying or selling? The Yankees will miss the postseason in 2021. Oh, I'm buying it as my baby Jays. Could could you could argue as of right now are the second best team in New York? 
Wow. Oh, oh okay. You got the Mets. Okay. I was, I was panicking for something. Like, wait, no, that's all right. Okay. Well, the Mets okay. are in first place, yeah. so I can't. Oh, that's not saying much. But here come the Braves. Braves are playing well. They they played very well against the Dodgers in their series, but uh, Yankees don't look good. All right. I hate to play it. Hate to do it to our guy, Matty V, but I got to play this. It's a little long, but we're going to get to it. We talk about this all the time. Rivalries in sports and in baseball in particular, it's only a rivalry when both teams are good. And that was not the case the last couple of years because the Yankees really beat up on the Red Sox in 2019 and 20 in particular. But this year, it appears that uh, a lot of that competitiveness has been restored. I mean, at the start of this series, you were talking about Red Sox futility defining the rivalry against the Yanks. The Yankees had won 17 of 19 against Boston at the start of Friday night. And that included a 12 game winning streak at one point which was the longest versus Boston in franchise history. And here we are 2021 and now it's the Red Sox that have won two in a row. It's awesome to watch and, and, and when you wait this long before Yankee Red Sox it heightens the situation. And look, you can't give enough credit to John Henry, Sam Kennedy, and Red Sox management to bring him back what I think is the best manager in baseball in Alex Cora. I mean, he is simply a difference maker. And the way these guys play for him, the way he communicates, it is outstanding. And he's a hybrid between old school and new school. And there's nobody like him. I, I okay, all right, I'm not even going to play the rest. I can't believe you made me sit through that. So A Rod and uh, Matty V goes on to agree with him. Matty V, just I don't know, I don't know what's going on. Matty V, the Angels guy now, he's agreeing with A Rod. Buying or selling, Alex Cora is the best manager in Major League Baseball. I'm selling. I just I who who did he call the best third baseman last year? That'd be Gio Urshela. I mean, it's it, it they okay. If, if you've ever been to New York, you understand it. They live in their own world. They live in this world that nothing happens outside of New York. Like everything is New York, and everything outside they don't care. That's why I never get so. I never. I'm never surprised by decisions made out of commissioners' offices because they're all out of New York. I mean, you're talking about guys. These commissioners, they don't drive themselves to work. They have drivers. <laughs> they don't live in a new the people who live in Manhattan. They live in a completely different world. Yes, there is. There's other states and cities. It's it's pretty crazy outside of New York City. Yeah, it's crazy that A Rod picked a Boston guy. Oh, sorry, a Boston Red Sox manager as the best man. I'm surprised he didn't go. Aaron Boone is the best manager in baseball. He's going to turn this Yankee team around. They're they're, they're going to win the World Series, Maddie. Maddie, they're going to win the World Series. I, I just, I'm, I'm not a big A Rod. And, and I'm not going to I'm not going to sit here and just say it's no, it's it's not. I'm going to say it's Bob Melvin. It's anyone. I, I just don't think it's Alex Cora. The guy got fired for for being part of a cheating scandal. You can't say he's the best manager in baseball because of that. Yeah, and you're going to tell me the 2018 Red Sox weren't cheating? Uh, we don't know. But because baseball, all they did was they blamed it on the clubhouse manager, or video coordinator, or whatever, whatever guy they threw under the bus, lower level employee that they did. Uh, they, you know, there are, there's two books coming out, by the way. One of them's by from Andy Martino from SNY, and the other one's from our friend Evan Drellick from the uh, from the Athletic on um, um, about the Astros and the cheating scandal. It's pretty pretty good stuff. I saw some excerpts that people are putting out on Twitter. So 
we'll have to you know, obtain copies and talk to them when they're coming out. But well, there, there, there's belief it could have been up to 18 teams that were cheating. Well, I mean, I'm sure more stuff will come out. Eventually. But baseball just wanted to pin it on four guys. Yeah. All right. Last one, and I, I, I told you about this earlier when we were talking when Tor when we were playing the Tori Lovello interview. On this date, 1989, I was uh, not even a full year old yet. The Pirates and Phillies played a meaningless game at Veterans Stadium. For everyone out there who has no idea what that is, if you're in my age group, that's the old ballpark before Citizens Bank. The Pirates were on a seven-game losing streak, and the Phillies were on an 11-game losing streak prior to the Pirates coming to town. But on June 8, 1989, the Pirates scored 10 runs in the first inning. Jim Rooker, uh, on the Pirates' radio call at the time, after the Pirates scored 10 runs in the first inning, made this proclamation loudly. Well, I'll tell you something right now. If we lose this game, I'll walk back to Pittsburgh. You'll have to. I won't have to, but I will. <laughs> well, Jim Rooker. Uh, well, this happened. The Phillies, as you remember, rallied to beat the Pirates 15-11, to putting the finishing touches on the comeback by scoring five runs in the bottom of the eighth. Steve uh, Jeltz, who had five Man, home runs. Spider time. Oh, well, sorry. Who had five home runs and his eight-year career helped the Phillies by hitting two in the game. Rooker did not walk back to Pittsburgh that night, though, but he did make the trek in October of the year, using the 320-mile journey to raise money for charity. Rooker left Phillies Veterans Stadium on October 5th and arrived at Pittsburgh's Three River Stadium on October 17th. Buying or selling Major League Baseball. Well, you know what? Sports in general need more proclamations like this. Well, maybe I need to bring this up in the third inning <laughs> to see, uh, hey, uh, hey, Vinny, want to walk back from Anaheim? Because <laughs> uh, I, I love this. I saw, I saw this the other day, and like I know they talked about How many about days it. did it take him? So let's see. He left on, where did I go? I think it was October 5th he left, and he got back on the 17th. So we went 12 days? Yeah, October 5th to the 17th, so wow. 12 days. That's Forrest Gump style. Yeah, essentially. But Except he did it for charity. Running. Yeah, and he did it for charity. All righty, that is going to do it for A's Cast Live. We want to thank Luis Gonzalez. We want to thank the great Ken Korak and Tori Lavello, skipper of the Snakes. We'll be, who are we going to play here? We're going to play uh, Vince's uh, conversation with Mike Piscotti because it's uh, Lou Gehrig Day here at the Coliseum for ALS. So I want to make sure we replay that going into Ace Total Access. All righty, and I'll be back in about 10 minutes. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.